Welcome to Small Business Marketing, Then, and Now. A conversation with small business owners on how they marketed the launch of their business, the evolution since then and how they have pivoted during this COVID-19 period. Brought to you by Profit Master Business Solutions. More leads, more sales, and more revenue for your small or medium-sized business. Click findnewrevenue.com to learn more. Now here's your host, Howard Walpoff. Welcome back to Small Business Marketing Then and Now. I'm Howard Walpoff, your host. Again, this is brought to you by Profit Master Business Solutions. Today, we're going to talk about the process of how certain businesses get their business. And I'm talking about businesses that are involved in the large world of construction, but there's so many pieces that go along with that. Uh, We're going to talk about environmental engineering. We're going to talk about the different ways that local, state, and federal governments get their contractors. And we're going to speak to an expert who really has figured out how to uh, maneuver these systems. His name is Neil Wilson. He is the president of GEAR, which is Gator Engineering and Aquifer Restoration. He is a professional geologist, and uh, he has a great experience in really starting and building his business, but really gaining uh, the, the, uh, the knowledge and the relationships for winning bids for contracts and implementing them and really providing a lot to his, uh, his, his local municipality, his state, and obviously uh, around the country. So, Neil, welcome to the conversation. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you. So you really have a lot of uh, moving parts when it comes to finding business. You're, you're not usually out there marketing and, and cold calling in and doing pieces like this. You um, have the ability to find business in various different ways. Um, so let's start with explain about what your business is and what you do and how you got started. Well, Gator Engineering and Aquifer Restoration is composed of two things, the engineering and aquifer restoration. So that's engineering and environmental services. And so those two combine together uh, for one aspect, but the engineering is separated and the aquifer is also separated. So we actually can play in three different fields, the engineering field, the environmental field, and the environmental engineering field. So these are very important when it comes to really getting things started with construction and getting a knowledge of what these projects are getting themselves involved with, with uh, obviously the, the, the geology, the, the ground itself that you're choosing to build something on. Um, what go- really goes into getting a project started? Well, there are many aspects up to it, but according to what we do, for example, if you want to build a building, uh, one of the things we will do on the environmental side is we go out to make sure that you don't have any endangered species, tortoises, birds, and et cetera. And then the next step is for us to go and do additional environmental services to find out you're not located in some type of contamination zone, an old sink bill, uh, landfill, or a sinkhole. And uh, then from there, we'll also test the groundwater to see how quickly it will absorb any water that needs to be used for a retention pond when you're getting ready to build your building. And then also the geotechnical engineering of it, which is to find out the stability of the soil itself on on the building or the structure that you want to build. Understanding those, those aspects of water drainage and retention ponds and not just building concrete on top of everything is a, uh, is a very important thing to know. Uh, I was working in Houston when Hurricane uh, 
Harvey came through and because it just built over everything, there was no drainage. They still have drainage problems. Uh, even there was a flood a month or so ago, but that was, that flooding was, was, was not, nothing that ever anyone wants to live through again. Um, so when you are, I guess, going back to the, the, the projects themselves, you have a, um, a process that you're going through to find your next clients, to find the next the project you're working on. Why don't you kind of talk through exactly what happens? I know you do this on the, the, the local, state, and federal um, areas as well. So why don't you tell us how you go about that, how you find them, and how they end up communicating with you in the process? Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, we're in four different sectors. That's the private sector, the county sector, which is local, the state sector, and also the federal sector. So each one of those have a different approach. Now, the private sector, it's a lot to do with the uh, relationships that we had with, uh, with owners previously and the word of mouth. For the local government, we're qualified as a disabled veteran and as an engineering and geotechnical and environmental services firm. So we get called upon uh, without having to market except to be on their marketplace platform. State of Florida, we're an environmental firm for them. And that's the same thing. We're one of 50 that handle the pollution in the state of Florida. So we get called upon in turn for the next one that comes up. And in the federal marketplace, we do a lot of our research on what's called SAM.gov, S-A-M. Gov. SAM is Systems for Award Management.gov. For anyone out there who wants to start getting into the federal marketplace, you'll need to go to that and learn how to uh, navigate that marketplace. And this really is the bread and butter of a lot of these companies. It's, it's going to websites like this on the local, uh, state, and federal level and looking to see what bids are being put out and figure out what you may or may not qualify for and starting the process by clicking the mouse and uh, and filling out questions on the on the website. Absolutely correct. Yeah, 100%. And if you get involved with that, don't get dissuaded. You know, be patient, work through it. Sometimes it takes days and even weeks before you find that right fit. And that can be challenging for these businesses starting out. And there's also a lot of experience that businesses have in understanding what's the best way to get the business. So there may be a bid that says, I'd be perfect for it because I'm the, I'm the right focus the right company, but they're looking for a company that's broader or has a number of different qualifications and boxes they need to check off, but who will need subcontractors in the in the process. And you need to be networking and getting out there to know the right people who are getting the right bids to become their subcontractors. That's correct. Yeah, you need to be a part of the organizations out there so that you can get your name known. You got to get your name out there in front of people. And that's where your own website, obviously, but you have your business cards and your letterhead, and that does an awful lot. And in today's marketplace, with most of the people being very familiar with working through the digital media, uh, they'll be familiar with that process. Now, on the building your business up, you're going to have to have some interpersonal skills. You're going to have to go out and actually meet people, shake their hand, talk to them, and sell your services with confidence. And that's a little more challenging to do in this uh, last year and a half with COVID, but still there's ways to do that. And there's, there's always that value of having those types of relationships, but also the knowledge of what you are doing, that you know your business. So just taking a couple steps back from uh, some of the example you gave before, um, when you are looking at a plot of land that, that a project we build on and you find that there were or you found an existing 
hasn't really opened up sinkhole and, and different issues. How are you addressing those and, and, and how well are those that have contracted you are taking that, those pieces of information? Well, that's the reason why they hired us because they want to find out if that land is suitable for building before they put a multi-billion dollar business on top of that piece of property. Uh, and we, we, we place that information in our reports. Our reports are engineered, signed and sealed, which means that we stand and attest to what we found and this is what's in the ground and we make recommendations of what they need to do. I know here in, uh, I'm in, in Jacksonville, Florida, and there's a piece of property that, that's gone through a lot of different concepts of what to do with it and different bids and then things go back and forth. But one of the issues that keeps coming up is there was some sort of leak that into the ground that at some point, whoever does win a bid and start the process of building, there's a lot of work that has to get done underground before they even start any type of construction. Yes, that's correct. And that's, uh, that's your contamination that's found in the state of Florida. And that's mostly uh, with the gas stations or with the dry cleaners. And absolutely correct. And it really depends on the client. Now, I'm a consultant as well. And I've got years of experience consulting because of my experience with the laws and the regulations. And if you're new to the business, I would not recommend consulting to the client about that unless you really know your business. You mentioned the dry cleaners. I worked across the street from a dry cleaner uh, recently, and actually, I get to drive by that location every day at the moment, and it has been empty. I think what we had two hurricanes come through here in Jacksonville in the last number of years, and I think the second one did a tremendous amount of flooding in that area. Uh, and they have not that that facility closed and has not been utilized by anyone. Now I see a for rent sign, but for a while there were some serious warning, stay away um, um, issues that they were, the, the landlord was trying to, to go through. I, I'm assuming he finally figured it out, but, but what kind of issues are there with a, with a dry cleaner that could have caused that type of delay in, in, in any type of progress in renting the, the space out? Well, the dry cleaners use a solvent in their process of doing the dry cleaning. And so what happens is they have this leftover excess solvent uh, that they don't need. So in the old days, they used to go out the back door and just pour it into the ground. Now, the solvent goes straight down to the water table where it continues to sink. It's a, it's a chemical process as opposed to gasoline, which will float on top of water. Solvents will actually sink in the water. And in the, because they sink, they get very deep. And because they get very deep, that means it's more expensive to, to hunt it down, to find it, to assess it, and to clean it up. And so that's why the, a lot of these, uh, these dry cleaners are having difficulty staying in business. It's very expensive to clean up their problems. And so many of these places are actually in a state cleanup program. So actually some people who own these drive cleaners can get their property cleaned up through the state funded program. And that's probably helpful for everyone to have a program like that because you don't want when there's turnover in, uh, in rentals and sales of property, you don't want something sitting empty for years. There's, there's many reasons that a uh, municipality wants something filled uh, for aesthetic reasons, but also for, for, for taxation reasons as well. Right, right. Well, you know, the thing that you're talking about is it's got these warning signs, beware of this location. The only reason why you need to be aware of something like that is if there is a municipal or a private drinking well on that property. Because if you have a private drinking well and it's pulling the water up from the ground, it's going to have those solvents in it. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that nearby, there should be no reason for that sign to be outside that building. It's uh, thankfully was not an issue. <laughs> I just I parked in front of it, but that was all that, that I had any uh, 
access to it. Um, so for over the years, you've had a number of different experiences with placing these bids and being part of the process. So when you were bidding for a project, what type of information it, are the municipalities asking you for? Oh, boy, it can range. It really is a, a lot. It depends really on who is asking for the proposal. Uh, and that is depending on their knowledge. And many of these people who do this, they write many, many different solicitations every day. And so they're not experts in what they're asking for. And so what they ask for typically becomes very broad. And so you have to come back to them with what requests for information called RFIs and say, can you explain what you mean here? Can you explain what you mean there? So it goes through a process with all these individuals who are interested in this project to ask these questions and for the government then to go and talk to the resource and ask the person who knows what, what's this mean? What's that mean? And then they answer the questions and it finally gets filtered out to where you have exactly what the scope of work should be. So, your expectation is that once you're provided with the scope of work for a bid that you've won, that this is exact and, and, and what's the, what the project is actually going to, to be and, and what, uh, what you need to uh, implement to, to, to make sure that happens. Uh, is, is that correct? Or sometimes you're getting this document and there's still things that you're finding in the process that become a, uh, a conversation or a negotiation issue. I would say 50% of the time you always find something because we don't have x-ray glasses. We can't see underground. We can't see behind walls and we can't see above ceilings and those kind of things. And so you always find things and that always comes up in the con and they expect this. So what type of things have you found? Well, let's see. I found, uh, we've, we found uh, problems behind walls uh, where when you get your plumbing diagrams, for example, when you're, when you're getting ready to bid on a renovation, and they want you to give a price on to renovate this part of the of the building, and then you ask for the diagrams. I need your electrical. I need your plumbing diagrams. I need to see what you have, and they provide it to you. And then you go pull out the wall, and you find out it's not there. A real good example, if you have time, is that at one of the hospitals that we worked at, uh, we were doing the removal and replacement in the building of a new gasoline facility, and in the process of doing that, we go and research all their existing drawings or as-built drawings, and we find out where their utilities are at, where the water, where the sewer, where electrical, et cetera, is located so that when we start digging, we don't dig into those areas. And so one day we were pulling up the concrete driveway for this and it snapped the 480 volt line. Now this 480 volt line will kill people, all right? It snapped it. And it turned out all the lights in this campus, this medical campus. And so everybody, you know, just came down upon us. And uh, we thought we were in big trouble because we'd done this kind of stuff. And they said, look, you're supposed to check the drawings and et cetera. I said, well, here's the drawing. And this is what your previous contractor did. They drew the line incorrectly because they have it going from this post to this post. This line was found from this post to that post. So you have to be ready and prepared to deal with the government, no matter what it is. I have to hope that once everyone calmed down a little bit and saw what you were showing them, that you were somewhat off the hook at that point. Yeah. And, and matter of fact, they were apologetic. And, and you know, what really came out was that they saw that we did all the work that we needed to do. Uh, we didn't get angry with them. They came and they fixed the problem right away, but we got a lot more business from them. Matter of fact, we're repeat customers with that particular client to this date. And that's been 12 years. That's fantastic. And it's great. In, in any business, it's great to have that long uh, standing relationship with someone who is as a, as a client, as a relationship in general, but as a client who's going to uh, 
want to use your services and, and share information about your services. That that's that is really great, especially with the uh, with with the situation that that got uh, created in that example. Yeah, now the trust is a big part of it. So, over the course of the last eighteen months or so, with COVID playing into uh, everyone's um, functionalities. How has that affected your business and, and the things that you go about doing on a, on, a, on a regular basis? Well, you know, I told you we work in four different sectors and two of those sectors, which is the local government and the state government, were, were impacted by the loss of taxes coming into the state of Florida and to the local government. So that pretty much shut down half of our business. So what you do at that point is that you, you, you become very aware of your expenses. Uh, you should be controlling your expenses all the time. But, you know, you, you learn to, when you leave the building, turn the lights off. You learn to do certain things that to help consume uh, the energy. You, you, you slow down uh, with your fuel mileage. You slow down with other expenses. You don't uh, take people out to their birthday parties anymore. You just start becoming a little bit more conservative with your spending habits. Yeah, as we, we, we spoke a little bit earlier, um, a lot of the, the monies that's end up paying for your services from municipalities in, in, in Florida and, and local, and that's around the Orlando area. So the, the, it's a chain reaction of people staying home, not traveling, parks being shut down, so there's no means for, for people to, to come out, They're not going to hotels, not going to paying, buying gas as much, restaurants, and all those taxes that go into paying for these projects dried up. And so they weren't really able to, uh, to, to bid out and then obviously implement in, in over the course of the, that time. Yeah, that's correct. You know, and, and the, the upside to that is that that work still needs to be done. These are sewer lines that still need to be built. These are water treatment plants that still need to be done. These are, these are, these are construction projects that still need to take place. And so we were able to still bid on these things and we were able to still win them. They were just being postponed until the taxes came back. So now here it is 16 months later, and this work is starting to come back. And that the other side of that point is that now we have a flood of work coming into our office, but our staff has been reduced. And I say reduced, not because of anything we've done, but because some of our employees felt like the, they get a little skittish and nervous about what's going on. So they move to another state uh, or they leave to go find another job or whatever. So we did lose two or three people over the course of that time frame. And we need those two or three people back. And so we're slowly building that back up as the work comes back to us. And that falls into we, you, the people that you're looking for are, are very skilled in what they do. You're not, you're not looking for the, the general uh, applicant for a job looking to, to find that position. So that, that does become a little more challenging with the, with the type of search you're doing. It takes a long time as well. Yes, you need to be in the process doing this six, eight months ahead of, uh, of the time frame you need it. So you need to be a, a forecaster. You need to have the ability to see forward and look forward into time. Interesting you say that because my question is kind of a, a mental time travel question. So going back to when you started the business, um, are you where you wanted to be? Is this the business you thought you were starting? Now, this is nothing what I thought was going to be. Uh, and I think that's such probably news to anybody, but anyone who's been in business, though, that's the truth. Uh, you, what you anticipate you're going to be doing is not what you end up doing because survival becomes the mode of the day. Perseverance of getting through it means that you're going to find projects and do projects that you have not done before. 
I've run into a lot of companies out there with strange names like Stage Door who are actually doing sewer lines. And I asked, why, why is your name Stage Door? I said, well, we actually started off as being a theatrical company, but that business kind of ran out. And so my brother was somebody who could do this kind of stuff. So we went after this work. The next thing you know, that's what they're doing. They're no more theatrical. They're now a sewer company that's called Stage Door, which is you know how things work sometimes. Yeah, sometimes the story that you think you're writing is not the story that you're actually writing. Absolutely correct. But the ending could be a whole lot better as long as you uh, just, just keep finding that right track to, uh, to follow the path on. I would say my trajectory is the same. It may not be the same services I was expecting, but the trajectory is the same. So I am on the same path I was on that I began with. Excellent. Well, that, that's really a good thing. And it seems that You've had lots of different experiences within your uh, travels with your business and the, and the relationships you've developed with the business and seeing the type of growth that businesses like to see. And uh, it's always a good thing to, uh, to hear about that. And also good to hear, I guess, better stories from people's COVID experiences. Right, right. And I tell you what, I think that the main ingredient to anyone who's getting into the business is to be very honest with your client. You know, if you can't do it, tell them you can't do it. Uh, but be confident if you can do it, then do it and do a good job of it. If you have a developed relationship with a client that's built on trust and honesty, you're going to find that they're going to work with you and they'll understand where you're coming from. And if they find something else that works, they'll give it to you. So, Maintain that trust and honesty with all your clients, no matter what you do. Very true words. Uh, absolutely. So for the private sector businesses or even the government sector businesses who are listening, um, if they have an interest in learning more about you and what you do and how to contact you, what would be the best way to do that? Well, we have a nice website. It's www.gearengineer.com. Gear is G-E-A-R engineer.com. And on that website, you'll see the diversification of our services. Now, my phone number is 407-853-4555, and my extension is 24. And my email address, if you want to email me, is neil, that's, that's November Echo Echo Lima Delta at gearengineer.com. Well spelled out. Let's make sure everyone knows that, that, the, uh, that, that this is a different spelling, N-E-E-L-D. So, Neil, thank you so much for joining us today. I think this is really a great uh, story that you have and a, a real deeper understanding to how some of these projects get created and implemented. And uh, we wish you a lot more success as the, as the future uh, keeps on coming. Well, thank you, Howard. I appreciate that. And if you want me to come back, I'll be glad to join you again. All right. Thank you so much. And all right, thank you all for listening today. I really hope that you got a lot out of this. This really is a, a kind of a blueprint lesson for, uh, for, for bidding on, uh, on government work. And there's a lot more that can be learned from it. And uh, it's definitely a, a, a science in itself to, uh, to do successfully. So definitely check out more information on, on these government websites. But go out, have a great day today, and we will see you next time. This has been Small Business Marketing, then and now. Brought to you by Profit Master Business Solutions. Marketing strategy for the small business owner. To learn more, click findnewrevenue.com.